And joining us right now is a gentleman that certainly knows his wine, us two amateurs sitting here. No, we're talking fumbling about around. We've a got a list of questions, though. The red and white that we've had in our time. And I'm very pleased to welcome our guest today, right now, Mr. Andrew Kaylard, who is, in fact, an absolute wine expert. Good afternoon to you, Andrew. Yeah, good afternoon, Jenny. Thank you. Have you got a glass in your hand at the moment, Andrew, by chance? No, I don't. It's past lunchtime. (laughs) You probably get sick of drinking it, do you? Well, I have to say, yeah, the the last month I've tasted so many wines, it's it's been almost overwhelming. Have you been judging by chance, have you? Yeah, yeah, I've been judging and also reviewing quite a lot of wines, more than I normally would in a month. Wow. And you, you, what are you working on 2024, even though your, your journal for 23 has just been released? Well, we've, the, the journal has been released, and that was really a kind of compendium of um, tastings that we, um, with which I did over the, last, uh, over the last year. So for the 2024, we've just really just started for that. Yeah, okay. Andrew, we were talking earlier about, you know, trends in wines, and really we were only introduced to beautiful bottles of wine probably in the 60s, maybe it started. I wasn't. Uh, but you're a baby. <laughs> Shut up about that, okay? But I remember, and you may not. You may. I don't think you're from Western or from Australia. I don't think you're English. I guess. Well, actually, uh, I'm. I have an Australian background, and I know Australian wine history pretty well. <laughs> well, we grew up. We, we were introduced uh, sort of yucky, sweet white wines with skip and go naked and blue nun and <laughs> porphyry pearl and all those sort of things way back when we got out of the flagons. Yeah. Yep, <laughs> you're not saying much about them, are you? <laughs> no, well, they're not worth uh, tasting, let alone writing about. <laughs> now, my favourite wine is a Pinot Noir, Andrew, and I think um, it's I think it's because it's light and it's pretty easy to drink. Um, what are the trends with Pinots at the moment? I'm interested well, in hearing that. There's definitely a trend um, for a lighter style red wine, mm. not only Pinot Noir, but also Grenache. Um, Grenache is often called the a warm climate Pinot, Pinot Noir. Okay. And more more uh, common, I guess, traditionally in Europe than Australia, the Grenache? Yeah, well, Grenache originally comes from Spain and the south okay. of France, and it was brought into Australia in 1832. And it's been hugely successful in uh, South Australia as well as in parts of Western Australia. Oh, that is interesting. With our climate, I mean, Western Australia usually enjoys a pre- fairly dry, warm summer, which we've been told we're going to have again this mm. year. Do our tastes change with the weather? Oh, well, I think so. I think when it gets hot, we like to dry cooler wines um, rather than rather than just uh, kind of tam- t- red table wines that have that haven't been chilled. Yeah, definitely. What about the Chardonnay? I mean, Ray Jordan used to join me on the program quite a lot, actually. Very well known wine writer here. Yeah, he's a great bloke. You're absolutely right. Now, he was saying with Chardonnay, it was very trendy a a while back, I suppose, in the 80s. But he said they made a, a little adjustment to the Chardonnay. Are you agreeing with that? Well, I think Chardonnay has really progressed hugely in Western Australia. It's making some of the most beautiful wines uh, in, in Australia. And a lot of it's based on a clone called the Jinjin clone. And uh, it makes the wines um, particularly beautiful. These kind of grapefruit aromatics and al dente textures. And they are incredibly popular. Mm. 
And why, why did they go out of fashion, Andrew, and originally the Chardonnay? Because I remember drinking Chardonnay, you know, back when, and it was just didn't taste good. And now you're right, it's, it's completely different. It's, yeah. I don't know, fruitier and lighter and just easier to drink. Pleasing so the public. Why? What was wrong with it to have to, have to change? Well, there was nothing really wrong with it. It was just a kind of changing fashions. Mm. Now, the original um, Chardonnays produced in Australia were quite fat and blousy. And um, and I think people didn't really like them so much, but they've really tightened up over the years, and they're really quite exquisite these days. Yeah. With your release of the Wine Journal for 2023, is it available right now? Yeah, it's through independent bookshops all over the place. Okay. Or you can actually go into the Vintage Journal um, uh, website, and you can buy it through that. Okay. And you and and I haven't seen it, but do you, you rank wines, and do you suggest? Wines at a good value for the for what they are yeah. that type of thing. We're talking off air about how some wines are expensive. Yeah. Expensive, yeah. Yeah. Look, the the annual is more than just a, a guide of, of tasting notes, etc. It's got an enormous amount on Australian wine history. Uh, one of the projects we've been working on is uh, is a three volume work on the history of Australian wine. And so there are a lot of kind of snippets of history that people just don't know, and I think it'd be quite interesting. Mm. And also there are reviews of some, you know, pretty important wines like Franco, Franklin's Olmo's Rewards, um, which is from the Great Southern, and Lewin Estate, which is Chardonnay, which is one of the finest Famous, wines yeah. in the country. I was saying to Jason earlier, I remember speaking to one of the original wine growers, I think it was the 70s, that started the first vineyard down at Margaret River. Um, yeah. ide- it was meant to be extremely ideal. Well, it's turned out to be exactly that, hasn't it? It has. I mean, Margaret River has been such a huge success story and the, the wines coming out, particularly the Cabernets and the Chardonnays, are just absolutely wonderful. Mm, so so at the risk of being uh, being shot down and, or lynched, are they, is Margaret River overrated relative to the Barossa <laughs> or uh, Clare Valley, those types of wine regions? Oh, no, 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 no. I think it's one of the great classic wines of Australia, if yep. not, and, and it's, it will emerge as one of the great classic wine regions of the world. I mean, wow. the wines are just so good, and they have a very, very strong identity. I mean, the Chardonnays coming out of Margaret River are are brilliant and you can spot them in a, in a blind tasting they're very classic and the cabernets of course are brilliant as well can i just ask you the definition or the explanation of wines by people that are like yourself they're experts on wines and they can pick up certain flavors when they're describing it i mean i, I don't think i've ever tasted a chocolate base in a wine how do you how do you detect those flavors well, it's the cho- chocolate is, is two things. It's the taste of chocolate and it's also the texture of chocolate. Oh. So you use them both in, um, for, for both reasons. Um, the maturation effect uh, with red wines can often give a kind of dark chocolate um, undertone to, to wines from an aromatic point of view. And then on the palate, if you can imagine when you're sucking on a bar of or a cube of chocolate or whatever, you can find this kind of um, this texture, a kind of a tannin texture, okay. it's the same type of thing in wine. Yeah, you, your taste buds are very, definitely tuned into it, aren't they? That's his job. Well, yes. that's my job. <laughs> no, it is, obviously. Can, look, uh, sparkling wines, we were not able to call our sparkling wine champagne a long, long time mm. ago. How are we going with them? 
Oh, well, I think we're going pretty well. I mean, champagne has been very cheap for quite some time, um, but uh, uh, we're now seeing champagne prices going up enormously. And so I think that consumers are looking for other other alternatives. And the alternatives are things like Prosecco from the King Valley and Victoria and some of the uh, method champenoise or the method traditional wines. And uh, you d- down in uh, Margaret River, Bas Felix ED Fixé is probably one of the finest uh, examples you can find in Western Australia. The Prosecco is in the news at the moment, isn't it? Yes, it sure is. <laughs> it's a big loss to Australia if uh, this well, goes it's, through. It's really, it's really complicated, and it's and it's. Uh, it's really a lot of um, bullfighting um, spoken about it by the Italians because Prosecco is the original name for a grape variety, not for a region. Ah, yes. Ah, okay. And then they changed the name of the grape variety from Prosecco to Glera. And now the, 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 the organization of Prosecco producers um, in northeast Italy now want to have Prosecco as a name for their, for their particular styles. How we, successful. We won't, yeah. we, we, we won't win. We, we won't oh. win. No, we will not win because, um, because of the way um, the European community is structured. And we, we can't export our wines into Europe using the name Prosecco. Oh, dear. What would we do about that, do you think? What would we call them? Well, well I, I don't know. They'll just, yeah. they'll, we'll have to come up with Change another name. name. Mm. Change the name um, to describe it. Sparkling wine. Yeah. Champagne became sparkling wine. Prosecco will become... But it, just, but it just shows you about these issues about identity and what identity is yeah. and, you know, how people invent identity. And, um, you know, it's not a good, always a good thing. Two hundred million dollars. The industry is worth to Australia. But sorry, did you say two hundred million dollars? The prosecco market, yeah. Yeah, in terms of a prosecco market, but a lot of it's domestically domestic based. So, for instance, you know, for instance, in in America, um, they still use the word champagne. Yeah. Oh, okay. And uh, you know, all we, it, it, the reason we come up with all these agreements because if they say if you don't do this, we'll block you from doing this kind of thing. Uh, Australia doesn't have such a strong bargaining chip. Oh, okay. Right. We, we used we do, in, in your uh, in your talking points here, Andrew. There's no there's no mention of US wines, and I don't really I can't remember no. drinking one, but I know they Napa Valley. The Napa Valley are famous mm. for, and I forget which type of wine. Yeah, the, 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 the best wines really come from the west uh, coast of Australia, from California all the way up to Oregon. Uh, the most famous coming out of, uh, of America, the, from, from California, from the Napa Valley, um, and from places like Carneros, etc. Okay. But, but we're pretty um, high on the market, aren't we, Australia? Well, yeah, we are, but I would say that um, there's a lot of work to do for Australian wine, particularly in the U.S. market. Oh, okay. Okay. What about China? What about China, Andrew? At the moment, do you reckon oh. we'll get back in there? Well, I would think so in 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 time, but it's been an absolute disaster mm, for the yeah. wine industry. And as you well know, we've we've got a, a surplus of red wine um, simply because we can't export it there. Cheaper to buy here. I was going to say they should. Here's some technical questions for you, Andrew. You mightn't be able to answer, but when when one drinks white wine and they might drink a little too much, why can't we sleep? Well, 
Well, I don't know. I mean, some people can and some people don't. People <laughs> react differently, don't they? Okay. Like when some, some people go get drunk, they become wild and others fall asleep. <laughs> <laughs> White wine seems to just make... Oh, I can't sleep. And, and the same with red wine. A heavy red, I'll go to sleep easily, but I'll wake, wake up, up at three in the morning with the dry horrors. Yeah, a lot of people get yeah. migraine from red wine. So, well, I think one of the main things is to drink lots of water when you're drinking wine. That's really yeah, the answer. Probably. <laughs> and keep I'm it under for control. An easy answer, but there's yeah. one. Andrew, yeah. you're, you're involved in so many areas in the wine industry, aren't you? You've been honoured with so many awards for your expertise. You're a newspaper columnist and, of course, an author with your latest book called Wine Journal 2023. And you're also yeah. an associate producer of the Australian Academy Award-winning feature documentary called Red Obsession. Tell us about that. <laughs> Oh yeah, well, it's, that, that film is actually a little is is over ten years old, and that was oh. a, it, it was about um, it was about the Bordeaux wines um, and the, and China, and um, it was a fantastic story uh, following the the rise of Bordeaux and the demand and everything, and then its fall. Um, but I've actually made another film called Blind Ambition with uh, Warwick Ross and uh, Rob Cove for the same team that made Red Obsession that just came out this year, which is about four Zimbabwean sommeliers competing in the World Blind Wine Tasting Championships. And that's wow. not even better than Red Obsession. Is, well, how is that available for people? How do they get to see it's that? It's on streaming. You can see it. On, I think it's on Stan right now. Oh, I'll flying, look at that tonight. It's flying on in, uh, in international airlines or I think on Qantas. I think you can find it on that now too. Okay, well, I'll look wow. on Stan. Okay. What, can I just ask you about the impression, I guess, of some people that, you know, sort of are tasting wines and they sort of get a little bit thing about it. It's become, it can, can it be seen a little bit elite, do you think, for some people? Oh, pretty, pretty, well, I think... I think it is. I mean, it's, it, when you talk about wine, it immediately sounds pretentious, doesn't it? <laughs> can do. no, I think it sounds interesting. So you can, it can sound pretentious, but I think more and more people are into wine now and interested oh, in it. So less and yeah. less uh, of a stigma think, attached. Yeah, yeah. This this book, the annual two, 2023, will be seen to be pretentious by people who don't like wine. I mean, <laughs> people who are into wine, right? They'll like it. Andrew, is there any other any other drink that you do like other than wine? Alcoholic. Um, I, oh, alcoholic. I was just about to say I like drinking water. Yeah, that's, that's a given. That's a given. <laughs> I, tend, I tend to drink wine mostly, um, other alcoholic beverage. Sometimes I like to drink cider and beer. Okay. Um, Not very, together. very occasionally whiskey. I won't touch gin. Um, or vodka or all those kind of things. No. no. I, I think wine's the best of all alcoholic drinks because yeah. it's so more complex and interesting. Can I just... Look, it's completely opposite to what we talk about with wine, but gin, you say you don't drink it. It's become extremely popular. There are gin bars everywhere. Yep. I know. What are they made... What's gin made from? Well, it's not really my my. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, and, I, and I have to say to you, I'm not I'm not mad about the, about the uh, about the taste of it. Yeah, okay. well, that makes three of us. So none of us know what gin's made of. It might be a gin plant. I don't think so. <laughs> no, okay. I don't think it grows on trees. So, look, this is wonderful. What a wonderful career you've taken up. I think you you're the envy of many. It's, it's not really a career. I think it's a vocation would it's be a, a better way of describing it. <laughs> oh, now, this is an interesting one. A caller has rung through from Gosnells. It's John. He claims that the non-alcoholic wine is nearly as expensive as full-strength wine. Is that justified? 
Um, yes, there are a lot of non-alcohol wines which are about the same price as commercial wines, but the cost of producing them is is, okay. is not small. I mean, you, you're going through the whole process of fermenting it, and then you're taking the alcohol out of it. And so no non-alcohol wine is actually one of the, probably one of the most unsustainable types of uh, beverages you can buy. Yeah. It's interesting. I remember years ago asking a wine grower why they haven't come up with a nice a non-alcoholic one many years ago. They said they can't, they can't make it okay. It's not good enough. But apparently there's a big market out there now. There's a huge market uh, for what they call no-low drinks. And uh, the, beer, the beer industry has done a much better yes. um, job than the wine industry. And even non-alcoholic spirits they're like the liar brands are very, very, very good indeed. That is good. But wine is wine has, has is lagging behind, and it's not as if there hasn't been any investment in it. It's just a lot more complex to get it right. Yeah, yeah that okay. makes, makes sense. sense. It does. Well, we have to be careful about how much we do drink. Of course, it's, ex- it's extremely important. And yes, it's, uh, yeah, especially this time of year. Yeah, drinking wine in moderation, I think, is uh, an essential thing. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I tell you what, the, the average glass is very tiny, though. Gosh, at a restaurant, the average miserable. glass at home isn't that tiny. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we just yeah. had a call from somebody to say that gin is made out of juniper berries. That's right. There you yep. go. Now that we make, know. That rings a bell. Congratulations for everything you do. Thank you for informing us. It's been lovely to speak to you. Thank you, Andrew. Thanks, Andrew. Thanks, Andrew. Thank you. Andrew. Thank you.